Explore the heart and soul of Outback Australia with Vision Tours. Travel to fantastic destinations like Broken Hill, Coobapedi, Uluru and Alice Springs. Visiting local churches and meeting people spreading God's word in remote communities. The Salt and Light Tour, in conjunction with Bush Church Aid, is a holiday that celebrates our faith. Join like-minded people from July 28 with Vision Tours. See full details at vision.org.au slash tours. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Pastor Greg Laurie points out when the culture seems to have lost its way, sometimes God brings a great spiritual awakening. You know, in the late 60s and the early 70s, America seemed to be unraveling. But in the middle of the drug revolution, in the middle of the sexual revolution, God sent the Jesus revolution. So it's good to look back and reflect and learn from it. Because our prayer today is that God would do it again. This is the day when the lost are found This is the day for a new beginning Amazing grace, how sweet the sound Again you hear all the angels are singing This is the day, the day when life begins God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance You can find those reassuring words in 2 Peter chapter 3. And when a culture seems intent on its own destruction, sometimes God's hand moves in miraculous ways. It's happened before in our history. And today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie says it can happen again, but we play a part in bringing it to pass. Glad you're along for a fascinating series that launches today. take a little walk down memory lane and revisit the last great spiritual awakening that happened in America called the Jesus Movement, also called the Jesus Revolution. Some might say, well, why go back and look at something like that? That was a long time ago. Here's the answer. The fame of revival spreads the flame of revival. So it's good to look back and reflect and learn from it. Because our prayer today is that God would do it again. That we would see another spiritual move in our land. Because I'll tell you what, our country desperately needs it. So back in the day, a lot of people wore their hair really long. I had long hair. I wish I had any hair right now. I miss hair. Listen, if you meet a bald guy and he says, I don't even care about hair, they're lying. They want hair. Okay, I'm speaking on behalf of all bald men. Yeah, so back in the day, you know, hippies, as they were called, would, would admit they're hippies. We, yeah, we're hippies. Now, today, we don't really have hippies. We have hipsters. But the difference between a hippie and a hipster is a hipster will not admit they're a hipster. You know, are you a hipster? I'm not a hipster. Yeah, I need a latte and some avocado toast, please. Wait, yeah. So let's think a little bit. We have some uh, young people up here on the stage, like about parallels between the 60s. You know, in the 60s, Noel, uh, a lot of young people were using drugs. And this is before we knew as much about drugs as maybe we know today and how destructive they are. I would say today, uh, most people use drugs to numb themselves, to disconnect, to escape. Back in those days, many were using drugs, I have to say myself included, because we were searching. And we were told, oh man, if you take drugs, it will expand your consciousness, you know? In fact, the mantra of the day was, turn on, tune in, drop out. And many kids did. 
uh, to their own detriment, I might add. But you know, as you look at the culture today, you, you almost wonder if like, it seems like people are looking for some kind of family, some kind of community, because so many come from broken families today. You had an interesting thought about where people go to find that. Yeah, so people I feel today are going to social media, trying to find their self-worth and yeah. just trying to chase that. Those likes are just trying to feel like they're wanted, like being a part of a group. Yes. Like back in the day, they were trying to find their self-worth and I think it was Woodstock and other groups like yeah. that, just trying to like feel like they belong, a sense of community. And today, because of social media and everything, it's really just causing everyone to be separated and just being more um, isolated and more lonely than ever than actually going face to face and finding that community out in the world, like where we should be like at church and stuff like that. Yeah, it's all an imitation of the church. Wouldn't you say, Stephanie, you had some thoughts about that as well? And it reminded me as we looked back to the Jesus movement in time then and our generation now, how in Ecclesiastes it says that nothing is new under the sun and every generation is chasing something to find their worth and their identity in. And I think it's so important that the church be aware of that as these new generations are coming because we know God's word doesn't change and we know we all have that void in our heart where we're seeking a relationship with Jesus, but how we approach that and how we connect. And as Noel was saying, we're so isolated in our generation knowing and trying to learn how do we connect with that generation then because things are different now. Yeah, very true. But like you said, nothing's new under the sun. Things are different, and in other ways, things are the same. You know, in the late 60s and the early 70s, America seemed to be unraveling. There was a very real threat of nuclear war in the mid-60s. Nikita Khrushchev uh, made some very serious threats against our nation, including placing nuclear missiles in Cuba. And President Kennedy faced off with him in what is called historically the Cuban Missile Crisis. But for kids in school, I was one of those kids in school, we thought we might all die tomorrow. So we had bomb drills in our classrooms where we would get underneath our desks in case there was a nuclear blast. Which, and you look at back in retrospect, do you think being under our desk would have saved us from a nuclear blast? I don't know. So one year after the Cuban Missile Crisis, our youthful president, John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas on November 22nd, 1963. All of America mourned. Meanwhile, the Vietnam War, which was never officially declared, raged on with young men coming home in body bags. And then the drug revolution is breaking out at the same time. Uh, Thousands of kids are turning to drugs for some kind of self-realization, some kind of answer, hopefully, and it just made things worse. Add to the drug revolution, the sexual revolution, with a discovery of the birth control pill in the early 60s, free love reigned, and everybody just wanted to express themselves and push away those parameters and those barriers that existed for so long. Everything was really groovy, man. But then in 1968, all the psychedelic colors turned to black and white as reality began to kick in and we reap the consequences of all of these horrible decisions. It was in 1968 that civil rights leader Martin Luther King was assassinated. And then on the heels of that, shortly after, as a matter of fact, Robert F. Kennedy, the brother of President Kennedy, who was running for the presidency, was also assassinated in Los Angeles, right here in California. And then all of these rock icons died in a relatively short period of time. Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones, Jim Morrison of the Doors, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin. So this is the reality. And because things were so dark, 
with riots in the streets and division. Time Magazine put out an ominous cover story, black cover, red letters reversed out, is God dead? That's how a lot of people felt, that maybe God was dead, but God was not dead. God was very much at work. And we don't know exactly when it started or where the actual beginning of it was, but in the middle of the drug revolution, in the middle of the sexual revolution, God sent the Jesus revolution. So only a few years later, time puts out this cover with Jesus revolution on the cover. What a difference a few years make. What a difference a revival makes. So I have uh, an issue of this. And let me read to you something from that particular issue of Time Magazine. And imagine for a moment reading this in Time Magazine today. Headline, Jesus is alive and well. Uh, the article says, quote, Jesus is alive and well and living in the radical spiritual fervor of a growing number of young Americans who have proclaimed an extraordinary religious revolution in his name. Their message, the Bible is true. Miracles happen. God really did so love the world that he gave his only begotten son. What, is this Time Magazine? <laughs> Bibles abound, whether the cherished fur-covered King James Version or scruffy back pocket paperbacks. They're invariably well-thumbed and often memorized. There's an uncommon morning freshness to this movement, a buoyant atmosphere of hope and love along with the usual rebel zeal. But their love seems more sincere than a slogan, deeper than the fast-fading sentiments of the flower children. What startles the outsider is the extraordinary sense of joy that they're able to communicate." Uh, end quote. Can you imagine again that being in Time Magazine today? And, and that's exactly what was happening. Thanks for joining us for A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. We're revisiting the era of the Jesus movement today. Pastor Greg is pointing out how we need another great move of God's Spirit. Let's continue. Now a little history lesson, because it's important for us to know what God has done in the past so we can pray for what He wants to do in the future. America has had four great spiritual awakenings. The first awakening was in the 1700s, led by such men as Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield. Uh, George Whitfield, an evangelist from England, came over and preached uh, to so many people living in the colonies. Thousands were coming to Christ and a revival broke out. The Second Great Awakening, the 1790s to 1840, was led by many, including Charles Finney, this was in the days of the Wild West. Law was disregarded. Sexual sin was rampant. But people would gather for what they called camp meetings, often out in the middle of the forest. They would put up tents and put the sawdust on the floor and people would walk forward to accept Christ. And that's where the phrase, the sawdust trail came from. That was a great revival. The third great awakening in America was from around 1857 to 1859 led by a young man in New York named Jeremiah Lanfear. And it started as a prayer meeting. Uh, Jeremiah Lanfear felt it would be a good idea for New Yorkers to start praying. So he called a prayer meeting at lunchtime and uh, needless to say, very few people showed up. Then the stock market crashed and then a lot of people showed up because people were alarmed and concerned. And within a relatively short period of time, 
Thousands of New Yorkers were coming to Christ. There were 10,000 additions to church membership every week during this revival. In one year alone, 50,000 people came to Christ. And when it was all said and done, one million came to the Lord in this brief period. That brings us to the fourth and the last great spiritual awakening, the Jesus Movement. I had the privilege of being there. I had a front row seat. I didn't know it was a revival. I didn't know I walked into the middle of a spiritual awakening. And there was a man that opened his heart and opened his church to it named Chuck Smith. And uh, so all these young kids are getting saved. And they want to go to church. And a lot of churches took one look at them and said, you're not coming in here looking like that. But for the churches that opened their doors to the Jesus people, as they were called, or the Jesus freaks, as they were also called, those churches experienced revival. For the churches that kept their doors shut to these folks, they did not experience revival. Here's some things that kind of stand out to me about that time. Number one, there was a sense of expectancy in the services. So when you came to church, you came with a sense that God is going to do something. You know, we talk a lot about the need for anointed preaching, but I think there's also a need for anointed listening. That we come with the right attitude to church. We come with an open heart, with an open Bible, come with a notebook, listen, saying, Lord, speak to me today. No one was ever late for church back in those days, by the way. Because if you were, you wouldn't get a seat. So that sense of expectancy. Number two, the Word of God was pretty much taught in every service. You know, Pastor Chuck Smith taught us to love the Bible, and we would go through books of the Bible, and our lives were changed by the Bible. We were a bunch of young kids that knew nothing. We were ignorant uh, of all things biblical, but we developed at that time a biblical world view. And then also there was worship. It was a whole new kind of worship that was born before our very eyes. We would give invitations in pretty much every service. And I think what happens is when non-believers come to a church that's alive, a church that's experiencing revival, they want to know God. So we brought friends and people would accept the Lord. Here's another big earmark of that time. We believed in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. We believed that Christ could come in our lifetime. So some of you would say, well, what is that, 45 years ago? I think your timing was a little off, Greg. Yeah, well, you know what? I don't regret living in belief that Christ could come back. And you know what? We're 45 years closer to his return than we were there. I still believe it. I believe Jesus could come in my lifetime. Well, we'd be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And I think it's a very important thing. You know, some might ask, well, why didn't he come back then? Well, a lot of us were praying Jesus would come and catch us up to heaven in 1970. But let me take a quick poll. How many of you have come to believe in Jesus since 1970? Raise your hand up. Aren't you glad God didn't answer our prayer? Yeah. So here's what the Bible says. God is not late as some men count lateness. He's long-suffering toward us and not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. God is waiting for that last person to believe. Can you imagine if there was one person the Lord was waiting for and you knew who it was? Would you be tempted to pressure them? Dude, will you get saved? What is wrong with you? <laughs> but the Lord knows who that person is and it will happen in his timing, of course. But 
we need to pray that God will do this again. Psalm 85, 6 says, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? The prophet Habakkuk understood this when he prayed this prayer in Habakkuk 3.2. I've heard all about you, Lord, and I'm filled with awe by the amazing things you've done. In this time of deep need, revive your work as you did in years gone by. Show us your power to save us. And, and so it's similar to how you might feel now. Some of you might be thinking, well, that, that must have been so great back then. I wish I could have been around then. God wants to do it again because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, so it starts with us. Pastor Greg Laurie with fascinating insights on the Jesus movement and how we play a part in inviting another great move of God's hand on our culture today. Next time on A New Beginning, join us for more from Pastor Greg's message called The Holy Spirit in Revival, exploring what we can learn from the Jesus movement. But before we go, Pastor Greg comes back to close today's program with a word of prayer. The church needs revival. So I thought we would pray for that together. Let's pray that God revives the church. Let's pray that God will send a spiritual awakening and let's pray that it starts with us. Father, you know better than any of us how badly our nation needs you. And Lord, we're asking for you to move powerfully by your Holy Spirit and send a spiritual awakening. We pray, Lord, that Thousands and thousands of people will come to Christ as we've heard about in these last four great awakenings. Lord, we're praying for a fifth great awakening in the name of Jesus Christ. And we're even gonna ask for a sixth one and a seventh one. Lord, move powerfully, move mightily, and let this revival now start in us. Let this revival start in me. In each of us individually, we need to be living in that close, intimate, first love relationship with Jesus Christ. So let it start in our own hearts. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called The Holy Spirit in Revival. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast, along with more inspiring Christian content. Just search your app store for Vision Christian Media. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 